Hello, Marvelites. You're listening to Marvel's Pull List for new Marvel Comics on sale June 8th, 2022. I'm Ryan Panagos, a.k.a. Agent M. And I'm Jasmine Estrada. And we are celebrating Pride Month for... Whoop, whoop. Indeed, Jasmine. It's also, (laughs) we're like, I don't know, over there where you are in in weirdo uh, Chicago, but here... In New York City, mm-hmm, we just mm-hmm. had a two-day stretch of horrible summer heat. How are you handling really? the summer? Oh. It's been the same over here. I'm not going to lie. Um, and I specifically sought out the apartment that I'm currently living in because mm-hmm. it had central air. And it broke a week into this whole like Oof. summer heat wave. Oof. And I just had the AC repairman come in, mm-hmm. told me I need to replace a part in my like HVAC system, I guess. Guess how much it cost? One million dollars. Close. One thousand dollars. At and least. And you have to pay for it? No, of course not. Oh, I mean, okay. but Boy, I'm currently really. dying in the heat. We bought this house. This house is 100 years old. It mm-hmm. was built in the 1920s. Mm-hmm. And it is so well built and so amazing. And the format of it, the way it's built on the first floor, when we had 93 degree heat the other day, we had all the windows open and we didn't need air conditioning. This is great for like two days, but I know when like the full scorching heat wave comes through and it's going to be like this all summer long, mm-hmm. uh, I'm going to have to give Conrad all my money. <sighs> Dear listeners, because we still don't have a video version of this show, you can't see <laughs> the glory that is uh, our video shots because I have for a long time had a an action figure on my microphone and I like to change it out. And I noticed... Yeah, recently it was the uh, Build-A-Figure for Rintra from Marvel Studios' Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. And I recently, with like two days ago, replaced him for the Build-A-Figure for Korg from Marvel Studios' Thor Love and Thunder. So He looks so he good. He's Yeah, he's a big old boy. Thick thighs. I like it. Yeah. I mean, the rock thighs. Of course they're yeah. thick. They have to mm-hmm. be thick. Yeah. I had to pull out the, the nearest figure that was near me, and it mm-hmm. was this giant, thick boy, Nimrod Marvel Legends figure, so... So that your cork isn't just alone. He has some company now. I appreciate it. It is good. Uh, But we are not here just to plug the Marvel Legends figures we have. We are here to talk about all the new Marvel comics on sale this week. We're going to give some picks out. Then we're going to give an award to all the books, a real fun award. And we're going to ask you to find the award. We'll talk about that later. We're going to get into all the books on Marvel Unlimited this week. Marvel Unlimited is our subscription service you can get and you should have it because it's the best. Uh, Both from the vertical scrolling comics called our Infinity Comics to the books newly fresh on Marvel Unlimited, as well as the collections that are on sale in your local comic shops this week. All of that, plus a reading club. Who's joining us this week? This week, we have editor Sarah Brunstad. She's going to be talking about uh, Marvel's Voices Pride number one that's coming out later this month. But also, we're going to be talking about her reading club pick, which is X-Factor Time and a Half, which is issues 39 through 45 of Peter David's X-Factor run. I can't wait to talk about that because... There's so much. Those issues are so packed. It's a hoot and a holler, and we're going to get into that a bit later. But right now, we've got to dive into our picks of the week, starting with Amazing Spider-Man number three, which I got to give a big shout out to John Romita Jr., Scott Hanna, and Marcio Meniz for the cover here, which is just a, a riff on an old cover um of hobgoblin ripping spider-man's costume but here it is tombstone ripping spider-man's mask and it just 
Johnny just draws the best, scariest, coolest tombstone. Even if all you see is just like the lower part of his face and his hands. It's great. It's gnarly. Like, yeah. I know that he's got like the the serrated teeth or what is it called? The uh, the sharpened teeth. And it's not that like crazy of a design, but the way he draws it scares me and mm-hmm. gives me the chills every time. Yeah. Also wanted to give a shout out to friend of the show, Javier Garon, um, who along with colorist David Curiel do a great variant cover of this, of Spider-Man fighting this monster in the New York City subway. And it's so perfect because there's a whole bunch of bystanders in the subway. And it's like some of them do not care. They are pure New York City. Some of them are like tourists. Some of them are like, ah, it's, it is very real. It is wonderfully done. Um, but uh, so go check out your ask your local comic shop for some variants and some covers if you haven't seen them. But this issue is written by Zeb Wells, penciled by John Romita Jr., inked by Scott Hanna, colored by Marsha Meniz, and lettered by VCs Joe Caramagna. And um, there's there's a lot going on. The the end of the first couple of issues, we were left with a bunch of questions like. What is going on with Mary Jane and and the business around her? Um, what what the hell did Spider Man do? Is a big yeah. one, and we still don't have all the answers. But there's great like bits and pieces that are starting to fall into place. And despite all that, Spidey remains I wouldn't say positive, but he's trying to be heroic. He's still doing what Spidey does, but he is in a a rough spot. We find him uh, in the sewers. Up against Lonnie Lincoln, aka Tombstone, who is sadistic and sinister in a way that we haven't seen in quite a while. And so he he like uses the roses, I, I guess, you know, signature rose. Yeah, it's like as calling a way, card. Yeah, his calling card and using that to make everybody believe that any trouble that he and his crew causes is because of the rose, which I think is so sinister and so well done. And it's like, mm-hmm. yeah. That's a way you mess with someone. It's yeah. Great. I mean, that's kind of on the rose. Let's be real. Look, you got a gimmick. You stick with it no matter <laughs> what. All right. Next up is my first pick of the week, and it's Jane Foster and the Mighty Thor. Number one is written by friend of the show, Torin Grumbeck, with art by Michael Dowling, colors by Jesus Arbatov, letters by Josephino, and we have amazing, amazing, amazing covers by Ryan Stegman, as well as an amazing variant cover by friend of the show, Torin Clark. So good. I love this book. It's been such a long time since we've gotten to see Jane with Mjolnir again. And I was hesitant. I'm not going to lie. I was hesitant about this because I've been enjoying her as Valkyrie. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I don't want her to give that up. And the thing that I love about this issue is it tackles that. Like Jane feels the exact same way that we do. And it's not just like she just immediately picks up Mjolnir and we're off and running it's there's a lot of like pros and cons to it there's a a lot of internal conflicts um, that Jane Foster is feeling and the reason why she has to pick up Mjolnir is also very surprising and mysterious and there's a lot going on there in one half of the story in this issue the other half of the story continues to follow the Valkyries Um, so we get a, a short story by with Runa and her it's not a date according to Runa but they are pretty much at a, like, it looks like a 1950s diner just enjoying a milkshake. And it is so dang cute. Like, they're just running through, like, an old magazine quiz that is just like, all right, here are, like, the 50 questions to ask people on your first date. And it's so corny, and but, like, adorable and funny. Like, some of the questions are kind of fun. Like, Ryan, would you rather have a pause button or a rewind button? Pause button, probably. Really? Um, I would take a rewind button. 
yeah, but a rewind button means that if I rewound and didn't have my wife and child, then there's no point. Right. So rewinding like takes away the most important things in my life potentially. So mm-hmm. a pause just means I get to, to do what I'm doing now. Put my arms back, kick my feet up. I'll get to read some comics. Just give me a little pause. Give me okay. a little pause. Okay. I think I wouldn't redo my the way I did my life. I, I think I would just like save it for accidents, you know? There's no better insurance than a rewind button, I feel like. Sure. It depends on how it's used. Let's yes. go with that. Yeah. I, I agree. As long as it's not abused. Right. Yeah. Um, anyway, so they continue their date. It's adorable. I actually texted Toron about this because I was just like, I love them. Please don't hurt them. And she was just sent me nothing but hearts uh, in like in a little like text bubble. So I, I mean, like I had millions of hearts. It was adorable. I love her. There's a ton of other stories going on in here as well. We get to see Lady Sif and what the, what she's been up to. We get to see what some of the other Asgardians, including Beta Ray Bill, are up to. It's a pretty packed story. It was a lot more than I was expecting um, in this issue. So very excited to see where it goes next. And the thing about this um, this issue is that I put it on our list as pick of the week before we even started talking, and you got so offended, Jasmine. I was You're like, so mad. You're picking Jane Foster and the Mighty Thor? And I was like, no, 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 no. I knew we were both going to pick it. It wasn't even up for discussion. It was mm-hmm. a definitive, there is Absolutely. no question, this is this is our favorite book of the week, hands down. I knew it. Just knowing our tastes, there was no question. It's so good. I love it. It's, it's so great. Also great this week is Marauders number three. Shout out to Steve Orlando. Just so full of little bits and bobs and little callbacks and fun stuff throughout this series. The title of the story is Extinction Agenda, which is one of my favorite X-Men crossovers. It's tremendous. Um, so Steve is the writer here. Art is by Eleonora Carlini. Colors by Matt Mila. Letters and production by VCs Ariana Mayer. And um, one thing that Jasmine and I were talking about before we started rolling is how great the art is in this issue. Yes. Eleonora um, has just like, you can watch her continuing to level up and her powers are growing. She's becoming stronger and more incredible every issue. And big shout out to Matt Mila because this book is beautiful. Yes. On, on a number of levels, but the color palette here, especially because so much of it is happening in space and with different vibes and and we're getting into different like places within space so it's like different planes of existence and like locations and it's it's fascinating yeah planes of existence is really good because that also like there's some psychic stuff happening in here Mm -hmm. and just the energy vibes coming out of this there's so many different types of energy and different feelings so you get a lot of different blasts and and backgrounds and all types of things and so the colors here absolutely sing it is beautiful and gorgeous um my favorite thing about this though is probably cassandra nova yes and who is i steve has turned her into the most sassy but likable before she was the most sassy and deplorable Mm -hmm. you know and so you you would you would you were looking forward to seeing her get stomped and stopped even though she was terrifying and and intense here you are looking forward to her saving everyone destroying all their enemies just dealing on them in the most awful way she just she cuts down poor gladiator so so badly in this issue it's wonderful like i love it she it's i know we use this word when we describe destiny but she is absolutely delicious in this book yes she comes in at one point where there's this big 
this big page where she's wearing a helmet and she's just come from killing or helping to to destroy two of the enemies that the x-men are facing in this and she's got like detritus from one of them on her shoulder and she's got this big helmet on and she like brushes it off and then she's like monologuing a little bit and the bottom panel is her and she like pulls back you can feel the pitch of her voice goes super high and she gets incredibly excited. She goes, gladiator. Yeah. Is it my birthday? And her hands are out. <laughs> it, I just, I cackled. I had such a great time. Steve needs to make this a Cassandra Nova book. Yes. Plus everybody else. Uh, that would make me so happy. There's all kinds of great stuff. I also love what Steve and crew are doing here with Zandra, who is the magistrix of mm -hmm. the Shi'ar Empire. So she's like one of the queens of space. And niece of Cassandra Nova? Niece of Cassandra Nova, daughter of Charles Xavier and yep. Lelandra. Rest in peace, Lelandra. Love you, baby. Um, uh, so good. She has only been around mostly for like the last couple of years mm -hmm. in Kelly Thompson's stuff where mm -hmm. she did some great stuff with her and Rogue and Gambit. But we're really getting a lot of fleshed out character work from her. We're seeing her assert herself and get into some stuff. There are big revelations, but also big like <gasps> mm -hmm. gasp moments throughout this issue. It's tremendous. It was, it was great. It's a blast. My favorite of the series so far. This is very different from the previous Marauder series, but in a way that I think it needs to be. It needs to carve its own niche and it is doing it really, really well. Yeah, and I'm glad that you brought up that helmet that Cassandra wears oh because God. there's one panel in this issue where it's a close-up of the panel and there's a glare that's reflecting off the like the visor. Mm -hmm. And it very much gives like Professor Xavier wearing Cerebro vibes. Yeah. You can just tell it's Steve, it's uh, Eleonora and Matt Mila just kind of almost like winking to the audience like, yeah, we know what we're doing here because it, it the glare is blue. It's... It's so clever and it's such a like nod and like parallel to what's going on in the other X books. It's so cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. These guys are diehard fans and you can just, this book bleeds with that fandom. Hell yeah. That is it for our picks of the week. Ryan, are you ready to move on to our fresh floppies? You want to hear the, what this award name's going to be this week? Some fabulous fresh floppies. That's what I meant to say. So this week's award name is the Dragon with a Glass Jaw Award. So what we want y'all to do, dear listeners, is find this quote, screen cap it, and tweet it to at Agent M and at Jasmiest with hashtag Marvel's pull list, or email us the quote and the picture and all that stuff to pull list at marvel.com. If you're the first, give or take, you know, stay tuned. Keep your DMs open or your emails open. <laughs> is that what they say? Nope. But no. But still, do it anyway, because uh, I'll probably write you back. So this award actually comes from two weeks ago, the You Smell Like Pudding Award. And our winner was Mountain Meg, who got to it first and gave us a quick shout out on Twitter. Congrats, Meg. Um, shout out to Brian Patton from Rockville, Maryland, and Mitch Krumputich for also finding it. We got an email from Mitch saying, thanks for the shout out, that I'm enjoying the Spider-Man run so far. And also, I want to highlight Moon Knight. I've just recently gotten caught up as I've only been reading comics for about a year. I'm wow. still getting to know the styles of different authors and artists. And what I know so far is that I will read anything that Jed McKay puts out. You and me both, Mitch. A freaking men. Um, we also got an email from Aaron Bach, which um, 
I, I vacillated on reading or not reading, but I wanted to read this one for a number of reasons, which we'll get to at the end. So Aaron says, long time, first time. I listen to pull list every week, usually while walking my dog and almost always come away with an extra book to pick up when I go into Westfield Comics. Oh my God. That used to be my old comic shop. So Aaron continues, when you got talking this last week about old fashions, it was the tipping point for me yes. to finally write in and say thanks for all the recommendations. I live in the Madison area and Jasmine Woo! was spot on in defense of old fashions. See, told you. And Westfield Comics was my old comic shop before I transferred my pull list over to Capital City Comics. So shout out Westfield. Very good. Very good. Um, and then Aaron continues and says, Ryan, I also wanted to say that I really enjoy your anecdotes of your daughter on your podcast and wanted to share a dad story with you. In 2019, I took my then five-year-old son to C2E2. Leading up to the convention, he told us that he wanted to cosplay as Venom. He and my wife spent hours making a mask to look like a gooey symbiote, and he's really proud of it. When we got to the convention, he asked another cosplaying spider person to take a picture with him, and they did the thwip fingers, which his little five-year-old dexterity could not accomplish. He was suddenly upset that this thing he worked so hard on was not something he could do right in his head. Mm -hmm. I quickly went into the Marvel dad mode and taught him how Venom shoots his webs with his fists, and we went about exploring the convention floor. A couple hours later, he got the chance to do the kids' cosplay showcase on the Marvel stage. You had him strike a pose and then called out to the crowd that, quote, this is a kid who knows, when you recognized him posing correctly for how Venom shoots his webs. He was ecstatic to have been recognized for doing right on stage in front of a bunch of people. This is not something that you'd even know that you made a huge impact on a little burgeoning Marvelite. I've thought multiple times since then to share this with you and say thank you. But since you are all my dog walking companions and I am a parent of a now eight year old, it kept slipping down the to-do list when I walk back in the house. If either of you find yourselves in the Madison area, I'll gladly treat you to an old fashioned and some fried cheese curds. Thanks, Aaron Bach. And while he, Aaron, you say it's not really necessary to read it on the show, you wanted to share this with us and let us know how much our little acts have a huge impact. That is why I wanted to share it, to remind people that it's the little things that we do, the kindnesses that we can impart upon strangers, upon children, upon families, upon whomever we encounter in, in the smallest ways do have repercussions. Uh, I am a grumpy Gus a lot of times, but I try to remember... <laughs> to be kind and to make sure that I don't let my uh, occasional grumpiness um, affect others. And so, Aaron, I'm super, super glad to have done a little bit there to help uh, your amazing kid who real recognize real. That's all I got to say. Yeah. Heck yeah. Mm -hmm. And you're from Madison, Wisconsin. You're probably a fellow Badger or at least a fan. Um, you understand that old fashions are best with brandy. Um, and actually I'll be in, in Madison next month. So I might have to hit you up on that offer because I love me some cheese curds. So mm -hmm. thank you so much for our emails. If you want to send us an email, make sure to send it to pullist at marvel.com or shoot us a tweet and hashtag it Marvel's Pullist. All right. So winner of last week's award, which was as a reminder, just stick a pen in his eyeball. Very good. Uh, and that came from <laughs> Carnage number three. The winner of that one was Viking Prince. Um, Steve at Viking Prince on the Twitter. Steve, I will say one thing. You did not use the hashtag. But Ooh. we are generous. You still win because you were first. Although you were. Lex Pendragon also came in there, used the hashtag, tagged everyone, included a photo, although like he had to edit it because he didn't want his kids to see all the glor gory details, which, you know what? F fine. 
be I don't that know. Movie. I mean, Carnage is for the children. What are you talking about? Carnage is for the children. That should be on our official T-shirt when we yes. make it. Coming um, soon. Yes, very soon. Um, so, yeah, very cool. Thank you to y'all who found it and uh, everybody else who played along. So let's move on to the rest of our fabulous fresh floppies. Ryan, we're going to be giving out the Dragon with a Glass Jaw Award. Starting off with Fortnite Marvel Zero War number one. Um, I'm going to give the Dragon with a Glass Jaw Award to Spider-Man in here because he's sort of like the the character that hooks us into all kinds of stuff. But you you can just tell that uh, co-writer Christos Gage, he loves writing Spider-Man. He's real good at writing Spider-Man. He's got the vibe down. Um, there's some fun jokes about... Uh, just everything Spider-Man that are peppered throughout this. If you are a Fortnite fan, there's a ton of lore in here that really builds on what they've been doing throughout the game's history. Um, so I think you're definitely going to get excited about that. If you are coming in uh, more of a Marvel fan, less of a Fortnite fan, there's a lot of ways to to catch up and get, you know, some sense of the, the big broader storyline that's been going on on the island. So check it out. Next up, we have Leech Numbacks number two, and oh, this book's so good. Um, right off the bat, I'm going to give my Dragon with a Glass Jaw Award to the duo Cy Spurrier and, and Jan Bazaldua, who you can just tell are having a blast working together. It's almost like they're just like alley-ooping and dunking on everybody because there's like <laughs> there's so many gags in this joke where they don't work unless you have a good artist or like the artist has a good idea of what you're trying to pull off. And there's particularly one that involves Juggernaut that the minute you flip the page and you see what's happening, you just start laughing immediately. But then you start to read the word balloons and you start reading the story and you realize just how much more like layers there are to it, how clever the gag is, but also just how, like I said, it's literally an alley-oop. It's like, I could just imagine Sai being like, all right, here's what we're going to do. And Jan's like, say less, I got you. And just (laughs) comes in and crushes it. There's a lot of like ideas being tossed around in this book that I, I think are really interesting. Yeah, a lot of fun uh, puns and words. Oh, yes, all of us too. All right, over to Savage Avengers number two. I'm going to give my Dragon with a Glass Jaw award to some big red boys. We've got Devil Dinosaur, big and red. We've got uh, Weapon H, big. And in this issue, red? Why? How? You'll have to read <laughs> to find out. On to Star Wars number 24. This book friggin' ruled. Uh, it is a bunch of fun. It's called The Final Hunt. And it is Princess Leia, General Leia, um, her and her crew of rebels chasing down Commander Zara, who has murdered so many people horribly, horribly. Like, she's just cruel. And they, they like, talk about that in here. She's tortured people. She tortured Poe Dameron's parents like there's stuff that she's done and so i'm going to give my dragon with a glass jaw award to princess leia call her princess i mean she is princess but she's really general leia right she is commander leia she is um she's the big boss in here and she earns that rep she does big moves makes big decisions talks the talk and she walks the walk all right i'm gonna take the next issues because they are a blast Literally, um, there's so much happening in this next issue. Thor number 26, um, which continues the Banner of War story. And I don't know how Donnie does it, but he constantly just one-ups himself. Like he's just like, oh, you thought that was wild? What if I do this? And it just keeps elevating the story every like 
every other page to the point where I'm like, I don't know how he's going to like how he's going to resolve it. What's going to happen is changing the Marvel Universe uh, significantly in ways that I just didn't see coming. So I want to give my Dragon with the Glass Jaw award to Donnie, who I feel like is literally just writing himself into a corner. And I'm very excited, but also terrified to find out how he writes himself out of it. Mm hmm. Next up, we have Venom number eight, and Al Ewing takes the, the the lead on this one, and we continue following Eddie Brock. And all I'm going to say is Kang is in this issue. And I didn't know I wanted a Venom story uh, that featured Kang. I didn't know I wanted a Kang story that featured Venom, but it's here, and I don't know how I live without it. This is great. I'm very excited to see where this goes. Um, Kang is making some big moves. So if you're interested in this and how the larger Venom world is going to move forward, you definitely don't want to miss this issue. So I want to give my Dragon with a Glass Jaw Award to Al Ewing for genuinely surprising me with the Kang story. I like a genuine surprise. It's great. Even when you know, I mean, like Kang's on the cover. It's not like a spoiler or anything. It's just I didn't know that I needed that story. Hmm. Fair enough. All right, let us get into Marvel Unlimited because we got a whole bunch of books. Now, I, one thing I wanted to say up first is that we don't always get to tell you about every single book hitting Marvel Unlimited in the week because sometimes that would mean spoiling ourselves. Mm -hmm. um, so sometimes uh, we have surprises that come after we record and release the episode. So everybody now, you go check out Marvel's Voices Iceman which yes. is an Infinity comic, uh, which is written and drawn by our pal Luciano Vecchio. It is super so fun. It's a story arc that's going to kick off the Marvel's Voices line on Infinity Comics, which mm -hmm. we're very excited about. In addition to Marvel's Voices Iceman, last week was the release of Ms. Marvel Bottled Up, which is a one-shot by friend of the show Samira Ahmed, and art by Ramon Box, which is great because who doesn't want more Ms. Marvel? Also, X-Men Unlimited, Infinity Comic number 38, and Marvel Meow Infinity Comic number 8, as well as Marvel's Voices Iceman number 2 out this week. Yes, and then also coming to Marvel Unlimited, we have uh, Amazing Spider-Man number 91. We have Daredevil, A uh, Woman Without Fear number 3, Fantastic Four 41, Spider-Woman number 20, and Moon Knight number 9. Also, Strange number 1, which you should absolutely read. Strange number one, What If Miles Morales number one, X-Men number nine. There's so this many good books. This is hard to just like pick one. Jasmine, Devil's Reign Moon Knight number oh. one. Remember that book? It is fantastic. So good. That book is so good. Man, there's a lot of great stuff in Marvel Unlimited this week. Please give us your money. Subscribe to Marvel Unlimited at marvel.com slash unlimited. Uh, also, go to your local comic shop. Pick up some collections because there's a bunch out this week. And... I want to shout out our uh, wonderful producer, Kara McGurk-Allison, who recently made sure to let us know that the plural of yes. omnibus is omnibuses. So we omnibuses. Omnibuses, which we are going with because there are one, two, three, four, five omnibuses on wow. this week. <laughs> That's so much paper. Wait, no, the X-Force. There's six. also an X-Force Oh my God, there's so many. Um yeah, there's five or six, however many there are. There's a ton of them in here. So go I hope check you're not them. buying all six of them at the same time because that's going to be very heavy to walk out with. But you know what? Your comic shop will thank you. Yes. So go do that. All right. It is time to get into our reading club. Who is our reading club guest again? We are talking to Marvel editor Sarah Brunstead about X-Force number 45. 
Yes. Uh, one thing we wanted to call out real quick is that Sarah was calling from the streets of New York City. Yeah. And she had her windows open, so you will hear the sounds of the Big Apple. Yes. All right, Jasmine, it is time to talk about a whole bunch of cool stuff around Pride because our guest this week for Reading Club is Sarah Brunstad, Marvel editor. Hello, Sarah. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah. Hi, Sarah. Yeah. So pumped to have you on now. Like, finally. I feel like we've talked about having you on the show for a minute, and we haven't been able to make it happen. Now it's finally happening. Yeah. (laughs) Huzzah. Um, We are going to be talking a whole bunch about the upcoming Marvel's Voices Pride, but our reading club, um, in particular, that you wanted to talk about, Sarah, is an issue of X Factor. But first... We should probably get into your history. What was your like your first you know Marvel comics memory? Do you, do you were reading as a kid? When did you get into Marvel? I didn't really read comics as a kid um, much at all, and really started getting into them uh, in college. Um, I was really drawn to She Hulk uh, of all characters because she embodies you know so many different contradictions, and you know I think a lot of other people have also observed that her journey is somewhat a a journey or a metaphor for, you know, the queer journey as well. Although She-Hulk herself is not queer, but the transformative uh, identity, the the fact that she was motivated by anger and by um, frustration at the way that men around her treated her, I really identified with that. So that was uh, my entry into Marvel Comics. Um, And from there, uh, yeah, kind of just fell in love. I, I had an internship where I read 300 issues of Fantastic Four and it's history from there. Sounds like a dream. Um, I also really identified with She-Hulk early on, like same reasons, the transformation bit especially. So totally hear you on that. How did you get into this internship? How you fell into like Marvel, into this position? You know, I moved to New York and went to grad school um, purely because I wanted to move to New York and get into publishing and kind of needed an entry point for that. Um, And while I was in school, I got as many internships as I could. And I did a couple with like, literary agencies and traditional publishing houses. Um, And that was fun and, you know, it was good experience, but I came away feeling a little bit like I didn't quite fit there. It was a lot more formal than I thought it was going to be. There were a lot of sort of hoops of who gets published and things like that, um, that I didn't really enjoy being around. So I was feeling a little bit frustrated and like stuck. And uh, a friend of mine knew that I was getting into comics. Um, and she was like, why, why don't you just try interning there? Which honestly, it like never occurred to me. And a friend of mine was like, you should apply to intern at Marvel, which had never really occurred to me because I was still new to comics. And because I think that people don't really like sometimes you need a push to, to go for the dream job. You know, I was like, absolutely comics, like no way. Um, and I got lucky. Uh, I got an internship doing um, the reading old comics and creating a database where I got to be like, this is where Malice's first appearance is. Uh, this is the spiky <laughs> costume, you know? Um, so that's why I read all of those issues uh, in the summer. Um, and then I got another internship um, so after, uh, after all of those internships and this part-time gig and the work with, uh, special projects that finally did transition into the monthly, uh, work, uh, in the Avengers office. Uh, and I worked with Will Moss for four years, um, wow. which was really incredible, uh, before I finally became an editor of my own right. You mentioned a couple different books and a bunch of different teams, um, heroes, but which ones are some of the books that like 
you've gotten to work on some of your favorites, some of your favorite creatives that you've gotten to work with? I, it was really special to work on Black Panther. Um, I can't take any credit for the wonder that that, that, that book is. Uh, Will Moss had already built it by the time I came on, but it was really cool to get to work with Tanahasi and all of the really talented artists that got to be on that book. Um, so that was special. And uh, the Voices Projects, which eventually uh, came out of the kind of work that Will and I were doing where we were really trying to bring in a lot of diverse talent. Um, I mean, you know, now getting to say that I got to edit the first ever Marvel Pride anthology, like I don't, I don't think it gets better than that. It kind of hit my peak. You know? so awesome. <laughs> it's really cool. Um, yeah. Let's get into the reading club first. Um, because you chose X Factor issue number 45 from the run that is uh, from the mid mid to late 2000s, um, I guess into the 2010s as well. And um, particularly issue 45, but Jasmine, you wanted to sort of round out what we talked about. Yes. A bit. So when Sarah came to me, she was like, I want to talk about issue number 45. And I'm like, great. And I quickly did a, a quick read. And I was like, there are so many things going on in this issue that if we just did this one by itself, it wouldn't really make a whole lot of sense for new readers. So I decided to go back a couple of issues to kind of set up the stakes in the story to get to where we're at in issue number 45. Um, and it starts with issue number 39. Um, if you have the trade, uh, it's X Factor time and a half. Um, it collects this collection of books. But even then, like this, like fair warning to all of our listeners, like you're going to have to go a little bit more than like issue number 45 to get some re resolution to this arc because it starts in the middle of everything and ends in the middle of everything. So be ready. It felt like Peter was writing this not necessarily to be collected in trades or as like simple storylines. Everything just flows from one story to the next one character beat to the next, because that's just what he does he's telling this big grandiose story that focuses on jamie madrox in uh who's head up the x-factor investigations crew it's him and some former x-factor or other x-men members doing private investigating and they have wild adventures and there's yeah. tons of stuff uh, at the point where we're jumping in it's over probably close to four years because there was a limited series that was before mm -hmm. x factor in 2002 i believe yeah and so yeah we're we're gosh 2002 and then there must have been a gap because this is 2009 i think the first issue of this run is 2006 but so that would mean 45 is somewhere around 2009 yeah yeah so yeah january 2009 for um issue 39 so we're in the middle for 45 and you know this Tons of things going on. You already mentioned Jamie Madrox. We yeah. also get Strong Guy. We also get Siren. We also have uh, Darwin, who I completely forgot was on this team, yeah. uh, but I love it. We yeah. have Richter. We have Shatterstar. We have Monet. Monet, who's just a queen in this book, or in this like arc. I love her so much. Yeah. And Longshot. And Longshot. Longshot. Yeah. Just sex pot Longshot. <laughs> I love it. Oh. <laughs> Man, there's a lot going on here. And and sex pot Darwin. How dare you? <laughs> uh, there's there's so much going on here and the, the cast changes. But we when we open in into this storyline, as Jasmine said, there's a lot that's been going on. This is uh, written by Peter David, the entirety of what we're talking about. Pencils through some of them, uh, Valentin DeLandro, uh, Marco Santucci, colors by Jeremy Cox, Nathan Fairbairn, Andy Troy, inks by Pat Davidson, Valentin, Marco, and Craig Young, and letters by VCs Corey Pettit. So there's 
great creatives on this. This is Peter David just like flexing, doing some real great Peter David work. Just running on all cylinders. And like nothing proves that point more than the first issue in this arc, which is issue number 39, because the hook in this literally like uh, it was a gut punch for me. Like I was just like, I can't not continue reading because what just happened? And it revolves around Jamie Madrox and Siren as Siren has their baby. I, yeah. I was reading all of this as it was coming out. I read every book that we put out. And so it has been some years. And I was just like, as I was turning the pages, I, the it was like the fog was coming off of my brain. I was like, oh, no. Oh, no. I know what's about to happen. And it's one of those things where it's like slow motion. And you're going into this knowing that something very bad is about to happen to characters who you have great fondness for and there's levity going on and there's silliness and there's family. It's this beautiful moment and it just turns into a true nightmare. All right. So the thing that we're obviously all dancing around is the fact that she has a baby. It's multiple man's baby as well. And after, you know, the baby's been taken to the nursery, um, the doctor brings the baby back and, you know, they're all happy. They're all, you know, the entire team's around them gathering to see the baby. She names the baby after her father, Sean, which crushing. And then when she hands it over to Jamie, he absorbs him, which was a total shock to me. He claims that he doesn't remember the night that she was pregnant and it must have been a dupe that was with her. And therefore, the dupe having a baby made the baby a dupe and therefore he could reabsorb it, which is crushing. The baby's not even like a few hours old by the time that Siren gets out of bed and reaches for the baby, can't grab the baby, and starts clawing at his chest to let go of the baby. I can't even, like, it's it's like a wild, 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 wild hook. Madrox is such a great character, and uh, it's it's sort of true for all heroes that they always have to be miserable because that's the conflict of the story. But I feel like for mm-hmm. Madrox in particular, like, that guy's always having a hard time. <laughs> It's never going well. It's a hard time. And then it's truly multiplied because mm-hmm. he's constantly, the dupes are getting killed. The uh, He's going through, he's living these different lives. And that's one of the things that I've, I've I loved about this run. And maybe it, it was explored previously, but I really saw it when reading this run of how when Jimmy Madrox uses his power, creates a duplicate, that duplicate has a different personality. Mm-hmm. And that personality might go off and do something else. We explore that a little bit in, in this, the issues that we read. And even in this issue, he pops a dupe and the dupe immediately hates him and mm-hmm. is like, she's got this mean face. He says, I hope she rips your damn heart out. It's what you did to her. And it's no less than what you deserved. Save it for someone who cares. And it's just like, that dupe is real mean. Not unjustified. Like... I mean, Richter does the exact same thing. Like, Richter pretty much is like, I'm going to rip your face off as well. Like, bring it. Like, I can't believe you did that to her. This issue ends on such a, like, dark note. In the following issue, we don't pick up until, like, three months later. I mean, we still see the characters grieving, and we see them really just trying to get by and, like, trying to move on. But it's, I can't imagine what that would be like. And it, it is brought up a couple different times where other characters relate to uh, Siren because they had a, a miscarriage. And that's pretty much what happens here. So it's it's fascinating to see that. It's not a, a one-to-one. It's I, not I a one-to-one. what it's described, but 
I, it's not something I can even, no. you know, imagine that feeling. As we continue on, we get a bunch of different uh, other stories and other threads. So it's been three months. Uh, time has passed and we start to pick up on other things. We start to have Strong Guy and Richter trying to figure out where Jamie is or where he's been. Jamie, meanwhile, is getting sucked into a Days of Future Past type of storyline where it's a post-apocalyptic story where uh, the Sentinels are hunting down mutants. Um, and he gets recruited by Layla Miller, who, when we last saw in this run, was like a little girl and is now a, like an adult woman, which is interesting. Uh, I don't know how I feel about that. But a little bit uncomfortable, yep. <laughs> a little bit. A little yeah. bit uncomfortable. I knew who Layla was, but I did not remember at all that she had originally met him as a kid. <laughs> I, had n- I had no idea about that. Sarah, I- I'm curious because this is, there's a lot of like... A lot of character, a lot of continuity, a lot of things going on. As someone who came into comics a little bit later, what's your um, feeling on all that stuff? Despite this run having a lot of continuity and my own self being like, I don't quite know who all these people are, how all this fits together. Each issue had its own stakes laid out. And a lot of those stakes are emotionally based, Mm -hmm. uh, which is something that the X-Men does so well. Like, Yes, there's a big fight. Yes, there's punching. We need that. And that's great. But, you know, there's a whole issue here where Madrox considers suicide for like many pages. That is the emotional stakes of the issue. So in that way, each each of these issues still is kind of reader friendly because uh, sure, you, you'll want to know why he thinks that, um, but you can get into it and get invested right away and say, I understand what the characters need in this moment. We got to talk about issue yes. 45 of x factor because that was the the crux of your pick and please sarah tell us why you chose this yeah so uh like i was saying earlier i was really coming in cold um but i picked the issue because uh richter is a great character uh he he has been appearing in teeny howard's uh, excalibur and knights of x uh, and uh, teeny really loves him and so her love of him is kind of rubbed off on me uh, so I was very intrigued to read more about him. And this is the issue where he and Shatterstar kiss for the first time. Um, that is a relationship that has continued. They're still dating to the present day. Uh, so I think it's, you know, it was a really important moment for a lot of people. Um, and it was a surprise moment. Yeah. Weird to think of this at the time because it's now, you know, almost 20 years old. Um, but yeah, at the wow. time it was a huge shock. I think Peter wow. David even wrote a letter at the end that he was like, please don't spoil this for everybody. It was right at the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, even knowing that this issue featured that kiss, like I was still shocked that when it happened because I wasn't expecting it. And to see it happen so casually, it was just very refreshing. Like, you know, because sometimes when you, when you do that, like, oh, this is going to be the first time they kiss. Like, it's like a whole page and it, it's like turned into a whole big deal, which is like, that's fine. But I like when it's a small moment like this, where it's like two characters who are like, who just went through something wild, get to share this like little moment together where they essentially find themselves again. And I took a little sneak peek at 46 uh, and it amused me very much that uh, I think they only appear on like one page and they're still making out and and the story I love that. moves on. I love that. I love that so much. I'm a big Guido Carousella fan. I think he's just a big, fun character. But literally. And yes. And his, just his reaction there is, is great because you could have that reaction go any number of ways. He comes off as this big, you know, bruiser type, you know, feels like he might be a little potentially closed minded, but he's just like, huh, 
wasn't expecting that but it's just like mm-hmm. cool you know th- this is life this is this is these are my friends my family um, it's kind of a proxy for the reader moment where we're all like oh <laughs> yeah absolutely and i think the thing i love about this is the same thing that like you know we there's been some characters who have come out recently that you know there's been a lot of subtext you know around their sexuality like we see Iceman um and when we get to like Bendis's reveal in his run like we get to see how that fits into the past by bringing in the past Iceman and how it, it was always there and like really shedding a light on something that was there and a lot of people already like queer coded as canon in their head and to see something like this like I mean at, the, at this point these characters are already I mean they were over 20 years old and like it seemed like this was something that was written in the subtext uh, throughout their history. And it was like, is it, or are they won't, like, will they, won't they type thing? And then it, when it was official, it was just like, Oh, okay. Finally. Like, I love this. Um, Cause it makes sense. It makes sense. The the one thing that I wish, I mean, it, it made me want to go back and read more of the run uh, was that Same. I wish we'd gotten a little bit more of Shatterstar before that moment to kind of reestablish what their relationship is and set that up. But obviously that that would have been hard with the particular way that he brought it set Shatterstar. But um, yeah, now I want to go back and go one through 38. <laughs> it's not too late. Mm-hmm. No, with Marvel Unlimited, you could read all those issues anytime <laughs> you want. Um, there, There's one little hint earlier. It might have been that issue or another one of the issues where like Richter makes a, a little mention like he teases it. And I'm glad it's, it's followed up. But yeah, it would have been great to have more of that. But now... You know, more than a decade on, we get more of it now, yes. which is great. And it's adorable, like seeing them together in Excalibur. It's it's great. Uh, it was really interesting, too, to look at the art on that issue, just to make that observation, because, you know, I'm I'm most familiar with Valentin Delandro from Bitch Planet. Um, and that is such a different style. Like, wow. I did Big time. Yeah. This like very clean, very, you know, classically superhero art. I didn't even make that connection. It's such a different like art style. Mm-hmm. Um, also, like ten years removed from each other, right? Not yeah. quite ten years, but yeah, I, it's definitely there's some separation, and it's yeah. good. That's you know the the mark of a great artist. They they can do all kinds of stuff and surprise you and delight you uh, mm-hmm. all the time. Um, Sarah, I, I'm curious because this is there's a lot of like a lot of character, a lot of continuity, a lot of things going on as someone who came into comics a little bit later, what's your um, feeling on all that stuff? You're also a, you know, a self-professed, you know, big nerd about, you know, all this kinds of stuff. Um, I know for me, it's, you know, so many years reading comics, I eat it up. I want all the weird stuff, but I also feel like it can be very daunting to people. Where do you fall on that scale? Yeah, it's really tough. But I, I do think it's important to make comics really accessible to new people, especially as we're doing things like a Pride anthology that are specifically meant to open up space and to say, if you feel like you've never seen yourself in a mainstream comic before, you do now. Here it is. Um, what other stories or characters are going to be in uh, in the new Pride anthology? Yeah. So one really fun thing that we got to do was uh, interweave Charlie Jane's story with uh, Grace Freud and Scott B. Henderson's story. Um, so in her, in Sheila's story, Charlie Jane said to me, I, I want to put her in a support group uh, because that's such a common, you know, part of the like trans experience. 
And I was like, well, just so happens that Grace has already created a super trans support group uh, that's run by D-Man in Queens. And it's got a bunch of mutants on the team. I love that. So why don't we like interweave these? Um, So we got to drop in some of Grace's characters into Charlie Jane's story. And with Grace was also very exciting, again, to create a whole new crop of mutants who have a really wide range of powers. And Grace has a really sharp eye for dialogue. It's it's a very short story, but I feel like you come away with a pretty good handle on each of who these kids are. Um, so that one has been great. And I've been talking to Scott B. Henderson for a long time, uh, actually. So it was great to finally get him in the door and have him draw something. Uh, I thought that story looked really good. I um, love Dennis Dunphy so much. <laughs> D-Man is a damn treasure. He used to be a butt of jokes, but no. D-Man rules. He friggin' rules. Right. So I'm oh, so absolutely. glad he's got a really great, important place in, in this story. And hopefully we get more D-Man. Please continue. Yeah, I love him. I love the wrestling stuff. Uh, Daniel Kibblesmith did a Lockjaw book a few years ago that quietly mm-hmm. co-starred D-Man that was great. Um, so yeah, I'm a big stan of him. <laughs> what else do we have in the story? We had uh, Ira Madison III, um, who is known for the Crooked podcast and a bunch of mm-hmm. other stuff. Um, Anjali Crochet, who you know helps orchestrate the whole Marvel Voices program. She's been friends with Ira for a while and was like, he's really interested in writing. So I was excited to bring him in. He does a Runa the Valkyrie story that yes. has Loki trying to take credit for hosting a pride celebration. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I love that. Yeah. And we got a new artist on that story as well, Lorenzo Suzy, uh, who I think has a ton of promise. Uh, he drew an adorable Runa. Um, there's a, a great near splash of a pride celebration on Asgard that's just lovely. Chris Cantwell wrote a Moon Dragon story that is deeply steeped in queer coded campy motorcycle films. Here for it. Uh, it's so fun. And Kaizama, who I love, really leaned in with the fashion there's a splash page of moon dragon shaving her head that i just like i love it and we had so much fun coming up with the graffiti in the bathroom and everything um there's some nice little easter eggs on that page and really like yeah we got to embrace a lot of sort of quiet campy queer history in that one there's uh Alyssa wong got to do young avengers um and like nailed it like 1000 percent. i was like the voices are so spot on I've been hungry for like a a young Avengers story. So I'm very excited for that. It's time. It's time. Uh, And Stephen Byrne did the art for that. There was one page that Alyssa scripted that I think was like nine panels. And she wanted this crazy clockwork uh, system where the panels run in a circle around the page. And I was like, hmm, this is going to be hard. Like not very many artists can pull this off. But Stephen immediately was just like, here it is. Beautiful. Done. And like so clear to read, uh, it's great. A- Ariana Mayer also, uh, who letters uh, a lot of the Voices books, did a wonderful job of lettering on that story and really like guiding the eye. Uh, and then Danny Lore's story um, is really special. We took two characters from Don McGregor's jungle action run. Stop. Is this who I think it is? Taku and, and Venom, Poison? Yes. Or Venom? Yes. Mm-hmm. Venom with two N's. With two M's, yep. <laughs> Yeah, so we took these two characters who Don McGregor has been very vocal uh, in recent years about talking about how he really wanted those characters to be gay. Um, and he hints at it pretty closely, but it had to be very heavily coded. He and his, his uh, artist collaborators, Rich Buckler, Billy Graham, those guys, 
they were really already breaking a lot of boundaries by doing uh, this book in the first place that was set in the African nation that had a pretty much all black cast and really didn't touch on other superheroes that much. Um, it really kind of lived in its own world. And if anybody listening has not read those jungle action issues, I really recommend you go back to it. Very special. I adore those. Uh, and then the last story in the issue was uh, by Andrew Wheeler, who did uh, this great Hercules and Novar uh, short story. The, I love those characters so much. Hercules is just, he's so silly and dumb and bold, and I love it. Um, and pairing him with Novar, who's, you know, very intelligent, uh, very sharp. They just make a really great pairing. And Andrew, I think, had a lot of fun leaning into... I guess just their like personalities, like they have a conversation about how they both like such different things. Like why does their relationship work? Mm -hmm. um, and I got Brittany Williams to draw that, uh, whose work I've loved since she drew Patsy Walker back in the day. Um, so that was very cool. On This Week in Marvel, our question of the week last week was, uh, what Marvel character would you want to go to a pride parade with? And Hercules was my immediate answer. It was like, oh, absolutely. He is just, he's going to have the best time. He's the, the, most professional partier he's going to elevate everything he's going to look amazing he's going to have so much fun i just want to be in his sphere i don't know it would be kind of difficult to not pick america chavez though that was one of lorraine's i think i, would, I might go with loki but i don't know that sounds oh. like trouble Ooh, loki would be a good one too <laughs> yeah you would probably end up having to run away something would <laughs> you get into some sort of mischief get blamed for it and be on the run Sarah, thank you for coming on, for talking about some great comics. And everybody, of course, go check out Marvel's Voices Pride. This was awesome, Sarah. Thank you so much. Where can people find you if they wanted to learn more? Well, I am not super active on social media, but I am on Twitter uh, and, and I suppose Instagram. Um, but mostly just go read the books. Uh, that would be great. <laughs> Thanks again for joining us. Um, can't wait to talk to you again soon. Thank you. Thanks, Sarah. All right, big thanks once again to Sarah Brunstad. Um, everyone else, go read the entirety of that X-Factor run, just like so Sarah's going to do. Yeah, it's true. So, like, you can definitely start at 39, but definitely definitely want to make sure you read everything that David yeah. P. wrote in that run. Terrific. All right, so this episode of Marvel's Pull List was produced by Ryan Panagos, Jasmine Estrada, and Cara McGurk-Ellison. Jill DeBoff is our director of audio. And Brad Barton is Marvel's Pull List Senior Manager of Audio Production and Development. And Brad is probably, you know, we talked about Cassandra Nova earlier in the show. Brad is probably the biggest Cassandra Nova fan we have on staff. And oh, really? I remember um, he has this old video of himself after he first started reading about her. And he was just running around screaming, Mooma Dry! Mooma Dry! Just running around screaming. I don't know who was holding the camera, but, you know, Brad, you do you. Yeah, you do you. I mean, that's what those moments are made for. You know, you just reflect back and <sighs> precious moments. Mooma dry yourself. Yeah. I'm Ryan. And I'm Jasmine. This is Marvel. Your universe.